Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Crescent City Objection. Hot off the press is a Pelicans win. <clears throat> Ending the Hawks' 19-game win streak, which is, uh, I mean, it clears up the headaches for uh, all you guys who follow the Hawks on Twitter because, wow, all those W's is just really, really starting to get a little annoying. But, you know, Andrew... Uh, we're going to go right into that. That was a great 48 minutes of basketball. I mean, from beginning to end, just great 48 minutes. The Hawks didn't lose it. We won that game. Still there, Joel? Yeah, I'm here. All right, went out a little bit at the end, but um, out, 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 amazing game. Best game they played the whole year. I'm regretting not being there. Um, Pelicans won every quarter of basketball they scored. Their worst quarter was the second quarter, and they still managed to win it by three. Oh, my. Just, oh, my Lord. What an amazing game. They they did what they needed to do, especially defensive, you know, on the defensive end. They blocked out Millsap at Horford and just played this game well. I mean, Kyle Korver did what he does. Five of seven. Um, I guess Kyle Korver was the only guy who didn't stop. I mean, it's just... Great, great game of basketball. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Uh, just an amazing game of basketball. Uh, anything in particular I can think of is Anthony Davis played phenomenally. Tyreek and Eric Gordon, oh, my Lord. Eric Gordon's coming to his own. Four of six from three, seven of 11 from the field. He was great. I think he, I think he put up 20 points tonight. Just, you I mean, I know you tweeted it. You know, it's amazing. He goes from one of the worst players on this team to now one of the top of the best right five. now. Yeah. What is what, what do you right now? What do you think? What, what do you think he's doing different, Joel? What do you think has brought him to this point right now? You know, it's weird because um, everyone's just like, oh, when you sit out, you know, the game slows down for you. Well. Eric Gordon's a young veteran, and he has sat out his fair share of games. I mean, we know that very well. So, you know, maybe he's understood his role better since sitting out. And, um, you know, maybe he just realized how, and I don't know how to say this, but how uh, I'm going to be, I have to choose my words correctly here, but how well of a basketball IQ Tyreek has, and he knows that he has to make up for what he lacks and I guess I'll just say basketball IQ, and I don't really like that term. But, you know, and I think it's also let him realize finally after all this time that Anthony Davis is the man. I think he's finally come to accept that. At first, I don't think he I don't think he believed it. When they drafted him, he, he still thought he was the guy, you know, and respectfully so because Del Demps basically told him so. And um, I think he's finally realized that AD is the guy. And, like, you see him posting on Instagram, like, congratulations to AD, you know, all-star or whatever. And it's really awesome. The team player he's become ever since that injury, too. It's it's weird. Like, did he bump his head and wake up a different person? I just, it's weird. It's, it's really weird. It's um, It's got to be. And, you know, it's funny. And I do agree with you. 
Tyreek has a has the lowest IQ on this team, and McNamara even told me that, that that's an understatement. And it's funny because how can someone who is such a underrated passer have that low of an IQ? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Do you, do you, and, do you uh, think he's just such a good passer because he draws everyone in? Because, I mean, he, he does finish he, he, he finishes exceptionally well at the basket. Do you think he just draws everyone in and he can just find, you know, Jimmer? He found, you know, him and Eric, I, I'm pretty sure, found Jimmer wide open in the corner three times. I think Jimmer only hit one of them. But what what is Tyreek doing that makes him such an effective passer? Because right now you, you can just – I'm pretty sure you've forgotten. I'm forgetting that Drew Holiday plays the most basketball team. Not in a bad <laughs> yeah, way, because I crazy. love Drew. But you forget that we still have Drew Holiday. I mean, what if nothing? What if Drew comes back, you know, healthy and nothing changes? What does that mean for this team? It, it, it just means playoffs, right? I mean, I don't want to jump right. the gun, but. Well, I think that Jimmer Fernandez is more than willing to play on this team. I mean, look at. He played great tonight. I mean, looking at his stats here, uh, I mean, his threes will eventually start falling, but his plus minus was 11 on his plus 11 on his. Some people don't believe in plus minus, you know. Um, and he just, he really filled up the stat sheet in every category. Now, three turnovers, he was tied for most turnovers, but I just think that's because he's a little rusty, he doesn't get much run, but with Tyreek running the one, I think that's his natural position, which is what he has played during this amazing stretch of basketball. Possibly the best stretch in New Orleans basketball we've seen since you could even go back to 07-08, I'd venture to say. I mean, really, this is just an amazing stretch of basketball. Monty Williams, no one is giving Monty Williams credit right now. But when he does that, of course, everyone's the first to jump on him. But he is coaching incredibly right now. Uh, You look at the play call, that, that that play call at the end of the Clippers game with the uh, inside pass to Dante, um, that basically was the the, um, the thorn in the side for the Clippers, that was an incredible play call. I mean, he's just calling great games. I, I, I like what Monty's doing now. He is. He, he has improved. Um, I don't understand what the uh, – I don't understand the doghouse thing again. Um I guess uh, he's one saw, of the mysteries of the he, world. Well, I mean, I, I, I guess he saw something because I mean, a, a, Alexi Ajenka has been—is it fair to say he's been one of the hottest players on this team of late? And that's being honest. At least on the bench, he's been—he's been putting. I mean, he was huge on. Uh, he was huge on Friday, but then again, you know, we didn't have a, we didn't have AD, so I guess he's big, you know, when we need that presence. But Ajanxo was the only one who didn't log a minute tonight. John Salmons comes out of an unknown territory. I don't know where he came from. I think Verbis shot the guys that he uh, he he was summoned from the abyss. He came up out the water, and everyone had to hold their breath. It, it just like I don't know where he came from tonight. I just I, I just I don't know if I mean I know he's becoming a better coach. You understand that. I understand that. What do you think? What do you like to think of his uh, rotations right now? Well, the Salmons thing is, uh, I understood the second substitution. I understood the second one just because. Well, not really. I mean, you have Nate Walters. The second situation, Eric Gordon got that bogus foul call called on him on with Paul Millsap posted him up. 
shot clock running down. That was Eric's fourth foul. I knew you had to put someone else in. They put Salmon. Yeah. They could have put Walters in as well. Well, I think with Drew being out, the goal is to let that fourth guard play about four minutes and then kind of do what, and like you said, Agenda sitting out. But I don't really like Agenda playing. I like Monty's three-big rotation, which is uh, AD, Sheik to start, then about more than halfway through the first, Anderson, and then Anderson and Sheik, and then Anderson, AD, and then AD, AD and Sheik. I think that that's perfectly balanced. And when a Sheik is playing well, and when Anderson's playing well, more, even more so than a Sheik, that is a deadly three-man rotation, and no other bigs are even needed if those three guys are healthy and playing well. I mean, AD doesn't even have to be playing well because he just brings you so much from every, you know, part of the game. But I think that's that's what he's trying to do also with the guards, but let, like, Walters or someone play four minutes. But I think that he's had his demo with Walters and just doesn't like what he sees. He's going to let the contract run out. And um, I, I think that Dell will actually look out look out for a, a European guy to come in after that. You know, we'll see how that goes. But that's just my own speculation. But the the rotations I really like. Now Salmon's, yeah, I mean not that great, but I'm not really huge on Walters. I was, but I'm, I'm slowly dying down. And um, I mean, who else other than Salmon's Babbitt with? You know, Q with the two? I don't know. I mean, Babbitt did have a nice block at the end of the game for those who kept their TV going. <laughs> he slotted that thing. He LeBroned it. But, I mean, and how about, yeah, I, and I like, like the I think, rotation. I think we touched on it last, you know, last episode. Quincy Pondexter, I mean, from watching the game, he had a he had a big impact, right? The numbers say differently. You know, he shot three of nine from the field, one of five from three point from three point range. He had five rebounds, seven points. He didn't really do much. He had a block. How big is it to have him have such a big impact on the game, and he doesn't even put up many numbers sometimes? I mean, because I'm looking yeah. at his stat line and it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it uh, last time, and uh, like. This is what I said last time. He's just one of those guys that every good team has. He is a glue guy, really, is I guess what they call him. He's awesome in the locker room. He's awesome on the court. And he does he doesn't do one thing excellently, but he does everything well. Exceptionally. Yeah. To where he can get off with it. And I, I love Quincy, I loved him when he was here, you know, as a rookie and uh I thought he was starting to show promise. I actually went to the preseason game uh, for the Hornets the day before we traded him, and he had, like, a double double. He had, like, 24 points and 12 rebounds. And I remember being like, this dude could be good for us. And then the next day we traded him. But uh, I love Quincy. I mean, he just – he looks good. But the real unsung hero, I think, of all this is – they're showing – I'm going to sell him on FSNO right now, but – they're showing the fast break, which is a beautiful, beautifully ran fast break with uh ended in a Dante Cunningham dunk. I mean, Dude, how can you fire Dell Demps when he has acquired not only Quincy Pondexter, who is, I think the team is, what, eight and three since they acquired him, and Dante Cunningham, who has been a steal out of free agent, out of 
midseason free agency. Shot four of six from the field. Played awesome defense on Corver. He followed Corver everywhere. It seems like he does a great job. You know, whatever whatever we assign Dante to do, he does it well. You know, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later um, about how big the stretch, these next stretch of games is. These next two games are arguably the biggest games of the season. I don't care what anybody says, but we're going to need someone to cover KD. And there's two people oh, I can yeah. think of, and it's going to be Quincy and Cunningham. Cause, I mean, uh, KD sat out tonight. You know why he sat out tonight, huh? He wants to be on. He needs to be close to 100% for Wednesday and Friday as possible. Yeah, people don't understand those are huge games, and the Thunder need to win both to, what, at least tie the season series. We need to we need split, to split. To win the season series, but I would like to win both, you know, because then you're just putting them – That's you're winning – you're ultimately clinching the season series, but you're also putting them lower on the uh, Western Conference uh, records, you know, and uh, those are huge games. Somebody, uh, Hardwood Paroxysm, tweeted today, you know, this is like the this. It's only February, but this could be the biggest week of the Pelican season right here. It's huge. You know, we're we're, we're two games ahead of Oklahoma City right now. Um, and we just need these next two. At least pull at least pull out one at home. Because I mean, going to OKC is a tough, tough, tough place to play, and. Uh, and, you know, not to forget, this is the biggest week because we have two tough games against Oklahoma City, and then we come up on our back-to-back and get the Bulls at home. Which I know the Bulls have been struggling, but I'm not going to sit here and say that they're that we shouldn't take them lightly. I mean, that's no. a good team as well. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Uh, the other day I was looking at highlights. I was just forward in class and was watching on YouTube highlights, Anthony Davis highlights from the season, individual game highlights. And I put on the um, highlights from the OKC game, I think it was uh, a couple days before Christmas, um, in Oklahoma City, and he had like 38 points. And uh, one of the biggest things that stood out out to me from that was not anything Anthony Davis related, but Drew Holiday's defense on Russell Westbrook. On Russell Westbrook, and we're going to miss that. Yeah, we're gonna miss it largely. I mean, Tyreek's okay. No, we are. You don't. You don't have to say that. That is a big deal. Not having. I mean, I don't know who's gonna guard him. Tyreek is a average defender at best. I'm sorry. I don't think he's an amazing defender. Teague had a good night. Granted, Teague. You know, uh, Teague. Uh, Teague is a big winner of how Corver spreads the floor. You know, opens everything up for Teague, but. Russell Westbrook is a different kind of freak, man. I mean, and he's gonna yeah. he's gonna he's gonna guard Tyreek well. It's gonna be interesting to see how Tyreek goes. I mean, then you have uh, Abaka's gonna be on AD, and Abaka's not a terrible defender. It's gonna be an interesting interesting way how we approach it. I mean, obviously, you know, dare I say it? The I mean, the key guy for those two games is gonna be Eric Gordon. I mean, who do you put to guard Eric Gordon? We're going to have to see how Eric goes. You know, I yeah, mean, I um, could see them sticking Roberson on him, or Robertson on him, and Roberson's a lengthy guy. He Is he healthy? I mean, he's a lengthy he, he guy. Is, he is, but Waiters is getting the majority of the minutes off the bench. Yeah. I, I that's another guy who just makes just his, the thought of him on the court makes him want to vomit. It's like he's 
a cancer. But <laughs> that I that Sam Presti was drunk when he made that call. That's not a Sam Presti like decision. But I digress. You know what do you I think? think that, um, you can go. Yeah, I, I think that. Well, you say Eric Gordon plays a key factor in the game. I think ultimately that it comes down to Ryan Anderson. And uh, really, if you really look down at it, it's Tyreek getting more than eight assists. Look at that. I mean, they were talking about that on uh, FSNO um, before the Clippers game. I think we're 6-0 and when Tyreek gets more than eight assists and like 0-4 during the stretch whenever he gets less than four. I don't know, but Anderson, when, whenever he's on, we're on. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it, then it comes to the point of who guards Anderson. I mean, that's big. I mean, granted, I, I know Anderson's Anderson's weird to me. You know, I, I look at someone who was, I mean, tonight they had a lot of perio antique on him. I just don't know how he doesn't abuse him offensively. Uh I was surprised to see that. Um, well, well, let me no, ask just... you something. Um, I've noticed these past couple games that we've played well, um, even to an extent the Clippers game. Rather than making Ryan our go-to guy, our absolute go-to guy, they have focused on complete other things. They made him the second, third guy. Even sometimes it felt like Jimmer was our go-to guy rather than him. And I feel like that just lets him relax much more. I don't think he is a go-to scorer. I think he, he can get his own shot from time to time on those little step back. But, post, but he I enjoys doing that. Every, every time is nauseating. I mean, I remember in the beginning of the season, you know, the first couple of months, like Ryan Anderson post-ups, like, and he, all the Ryan Anderson step backs every time in the elbow, and it was like, oh my god, this is this is hard to watch. It was aggravating. But now, you know, you you see he's spotting up a little more. He's cleaning up the offensive rebounds and stuff. He looks much more comfortable like this. He really. But the thing is, though, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in Monty's think tank. I don't know what he's doing. I. I do know that Ryan, it seems like he does it himself. It seems like when he gets the ball, he initiates the little spin around he does that takes five minutes for him to actually complete the spin and get to the bucket, or the little fadeaway. He's getting a little bit better at, you know, creating uh, creating contact, which I'm liking to see. you got Blake Griffin to do it. I mean, but, I mean there's nothing else you can really wish for him to do. I mean, tonight he shot... He shot 50%, 15 points, six rebounds, and a block. I mean, realistically, that's, that's his averages for the year. He knocked a few more threes down, then obviously his numbers could go up. Um, I prefer him to be a just a. I, I prefer him to be a spot up shooter who, from time to time, does his own thing. But I just don't feel like he feels like he is that. If that makes sense, he feels like he can do more. So that's why we see a lot of, I think we see a lot of wasted possessions like that. Granted, my big pet peeve, if you watch the game Friday night, or I think if you watch any game, you can tell. My biggest pet peeve 
on this team is Tyreek Evans, just his uh, his love to shoot a fadeaway jump shot or a three-pointer for no reason at all. Especially in the wrong times. And, you know, like, the Hawks called the timeout. I think we're up, like, 79 and, like, uh, 68. We were up by, no, we were up by 11. No, I, no. Yeah, yeah. And we were up whoever by comes out nails a three out of the timeout. Tyreek comes down and uh, shoots his own fadeaway three and breaks it. And those are the times where you're just like, oh, my gosh. You know, but well, they're weights of possessions. He's not a jump shooter. He th- I feel like he thinks he is. He started off. He started off at the beginning of the year on fire, and they were all like, "Oh, he changed his ways. He changed his ways." And now he's back to being normal Tyreek. I mean, it's. I hope he gets out of that because, like, right now he's getting to the he's getting to the basket at will, and that's what they need to. That's what they need to keep up. You know, there there needs to be more of. Not, not more of a sense of urgency, but he just really needs to focus on getting to the rim. And the more he gets to the yeah. rim, and the more he successfully finishes, kick it out to Ryan or kick it out to someone else. And well, that's what I want to see. That it will, no, 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 no. That's what I want to see when Drew Holiday gets back. I want Drew Holiday. Yeah, well, in his I, defense, I want. I want. Uh, he I, mean, I, I want him year. kicking out to Ryan. He's been shooting better. I don't know if you consider well. Are you shooting better? Because I mean, he's always been an abysmal shooter. So you got to yeah, on that point standards, too. well, you know, but I mean, when Drew gets think, back, well, when Drew gets back, that's a whole that's a whole other ball game. Do you think we still? Do you think we're still going to be? And be honest, do you, do you still think we're going to be clicking like we are right now when Drew Holiday comes back, or do you think Drew is going to mess up the uh, mantra? or... Whatever I don't think right he will. That's funny. I was just about to ask you the same thing, and that's really the question of the, you know, of the week, I guess, considering how we do against the Thunder. But I don't think we will. Um, I think we'll keep going, you know, doing well, just because Tyreek will move to the bench, and now you've got Tyreek, Quincy, and Ryan all coming off the bench. That's killer. But at the same time. I think that when our guys go out, we're giving them some Jesus Shuttlesworth recruitment from He Got Game with the two girls in the bedroom and everything. Because what the hell? I mean, Ryan, he sat out that game, and ever since then, he's been playing much better. Uh, AD, even the game he sat out Friday, tonight he was shooting his mid-range jumpers much better. Whereas before, after he came back from his... um. What was it? What, what was he hurt with? After the next game, he was shooting his mid-range. Yeah. No, no. That was that was the most previous oh, injury. I'm uh, talking about the injury right before that. Turf toe. Turf toe. Yeah, turf toe. Turf-toe. After he That's came injury. back from turf toe, he was shooting his mid-range jumpers horribly. And, um, you know, he comes back tonight and he's draining all of his mid-range jumpers. Yeah, so Ryan, he comes back. And then, of course, the poster boy for the uh, – Great return from injury is Eric Gordon. You know, and there's some guys I remember reading on forums and stuff when Eric went out. Like, I hope he doesn't come back. I hope he's out for the whole year. And you don't want to wish that on anybody, but it was like it was like kind of mutual. You're like, yeah, dude, just he's a killer. I'd rather Luke Babbitt, and now Luke can't even get off the bench. You know, and he was a starting. He was our starting 
three for the longest time. That's crazy. And that's a test to Dell Demps, if anyone. Because Dell took Luke Babbitt, you know, and turned that into Dante Cunningham. Even though we got Dante fairly early in the season, I think it was like early December. Dante, Quincy Pondexter. You know, and I think that going into this off season, retaining Dante should be on the team's top priorities. He's, I we can't let another be... Anthony Morrow go. We just can't. He, um, he's playing well in the defensive end. You know, that's what I want to see. You know, I mean, I, I know. Like you even said, you know, the wish that you that you think would be a dream would be Damari Carroll. And, you know, we, we saw tonight what he does for the defense. He's a phenomenal shooter. He's a great defender. That's someone we need. I mean, it just depends how the rest of the season plays out. If Dante keeps staying with this team and staying and like staying with the with all the um chemistry we have, why not start him a game? I mean, what more to ask for him tonight? He went four of six from the field, eight points, played great defense. There's really not much you can ask from Dante Cunningham, more than that at least. I mean, like you said, you know, what do you think what do you think the um what do you think the bench lineup looks when uh when Drew Holiday's back? Who do you think who do you think the guard on the off the bench? I think well I don't think we'll know who the two guards. I don't think we know who the two guards are now. Um, I think that a move will happen, whether it's a signing or or a trade, you know, like Mo Williams or something. God forbid. But um, I think that it's going to be you know the bench lineup will be Tyreek. Hopefully, Jimmer. I like the way Jimmer has played, but. Monty's doghouse is real weird. You know, this could be Nate in the doghouse for all we know. For all we know, they could have – an offer could be on the table that we don't even know about. They're just like, we're just letting your 10-day contract run out and we're going to sign you. He could be in the doghouse. He could be learning right now. I highly doubt that it's very unlikely, but Monty Williams is so confusing with this stuff. <laughs> even if Jimmer comes out and plays great, he's like – he'll he'll be like, all right, John, you're finally at the uh, doghouse. We're just playing, you know, we're just playing Jimmer so you could sit. You know, I'm just saying, but I don't know. I think it'll be Tyreek, a two-guard, whoever that may be, Quincy, Ryan, and Agenza. I don't think Agenza will play much. And I think Quincy will log more minutes than Dante. Same goes with. Omer and, and Ryan, but Omer logged more minutes than Ryan tonight, and I think that that is key. It allows Omer to get in a rhythm, you know, and it gives him more confidence. Well, I mean, he shot he oh, shot five he or six free throws rebounds. That's the big key, and I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. That was huge. He hit his free throws. If he hits his – I mean, let's be I – mean, he gets to the line six times a game sometimes. He's always Andrew, you're missing the biggest stat. What? 33 minutes, nine points. He doesn't care about his points or anything. He says that earned 17 rebounds, 33 minutes, like I said, one block, but only one foul against Al Horford mm-hmm. and Paul Millsap. That's huge. Now, I know they're a jump shooting team, but he crashes and 
Millsap, Horford, those are, I mean, Millsap can shoot, and Horford shoots a little bit too, but those guys like to play inside too. They like to bang down low. And uh, Horford, I mean, he shot Horford down. I mean, the Shake is one of the one of the one of the best. I mean, for his position, one of the best defenders on this team. What kind of contract are you getting him this year? Uh, all right. So Omer this year is making. Help me with this. He's making what nine mil? I cannot remember. He's making eight, but his poison pill has okay. him like fifteen. I think that that yeah, seven exactly. million from the, the difference comes out of Tom Benson's pocket, not it don't count <laughs> against the cap. I don't I, look. I, I, I'm yeah, not sure. Look, I don't know how that works. Tom, Tom already came out. I'm a huge Tom Benson fan till I die. Shout out to Ryan if you're listening. We love our Tom Benson. He came out earlier this year. He said he's going out of pocket for some players. I find that amazing, but that's besides the point. How much would I give Omer Sheik? Um, I give Omer Sheik. I give him. I give him. We talked about it last week. I give him the Air Gordon treatment. I give him somewhere around three years, twenty-eight, twenty-nine mil, if I can. All right. Now, because I mean, because he calls okay, you up. Gordon, you're dull dense. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're dull dense for a second. It's the opening night of free agency. Twelve oh one strikes. He calls. He says, "Listen, um, who's the team that needs a center, a good defensive center?" Uh, Knicks. Let's just say the Knicks. He says, "Hey, the Knicks just called me. They're offering me three years, thirty nine million. We're willing to take that, but even this isn't restricted free agency. This is how life works. So, like, he's like, I'm gonna give you a chance to offer me three years, forty. Do you say, all right, or do you say, peace out and go balls deep, excuse my language, I'm sorry, after Costas Kufus? <laughs> Costas Kufus. Kufus is uh, in uh, Denver, correct, or he traded? He's in Memphis, backing up uh, Gasol. <sighs> Three years, forty million. That is that is thir- that's around thirteen point three, I believe, a year. So, what's a max contract in the NBA? Four years, fifty six. We know five well, it years. Depends on the it I depends know. I'm thinking of like Lamarcus Aldridge. You know, like oh, Lamarcus Aldridge. His, his max. max is probably he well, might be he, in like he's he's gonna get big money. What I'm saying oh, yeah. is. He got um, his last contract was uh, like, like okay, Eric Gordon. Here you go. The max is four years, fifty-eight mil. So that's um, what is that? Sixteen? No, not sixteen. It's fourteen mil a year. Twenty-eight. That's around fourteen point two. Would I give Omar Sheik a max contract? No, I would not. No, and that really capstraps you too. I mean, there's guys who. I like Gomer. I like when he brings the team. He's a good locker room guy. And I always will welcome guys who do not give one crap about what their box score is. I think that's so awesome, especially when you have Ryan Anderson and Anthony Davis on this team who 
Ryan Anderson may log more minutes than you, you know, but he's happy if he starts and, you know, he's happy if he gets his 25 minutes. That's perfectly fine with me. You know, and I think that you can pay more for a guy like that because, you know, let's say Kostas Kufus, and if you turn on NBA TV right now, he's playing right now. He's actually in the game, uh, Phoenix and Memphis, who we need Memphis to win badly. But um, you, I don't think Kostas Kufus like this, but what if he's one of those guys, you know, who's like, oh, you know, I didn't get my 10 and 10 or whatever, I'm aggravated so on and so forth. There are some guys like that in the NBA, but I don't know. I guess you see when it comes down to that. But I really like uh, how Maris played. As, let's, what, what can we call the the post-Knicks game era? There needs to be a word for that, because that's when everybody finally uh, started walking a tightrope. I think... Uh, well, I went to the... Uh, uh, I mean... Post Knicks, I guess I'll say we should say post post East Coast road trip because I went to that watch party. Too long. We need something short. We need something short. Should we just say post Knicks? Post Knicks, I guess. Because I mean, like I said, I went to that Sixers game. At the, I went to the Bourbon Street Shots watch party. It was a great, great event. They they put on a good little thing over there. That was depression, man. Leaving that game. Oof. I mean, leaving that bar. People were. People were just look like, you know. I know Fletcher Mackle was quoted saying, "This is the worst loss this franchise has seen." Like <laughs> he went full on, like Conley just got destroyed. Um, just um, yeah, he went on the news and said the Pelican season's over. He 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 yeah. He said, and I, I quote, know. "Call the um, who who pronounces people dead." What do you call that person? <laughs> the corner. <laughs> yeah, call the corner. The Pelican season's over. Then the next week he said, uh, the Pelicans can make the playoffs, whatever, so on and so forth. Fletcher, but, that's why I don't, we don't, I don't, I'm not a Fletcher supporter. Shout out to Fletcher if you're listening. Um, but <laughs> um, the post-Knicks era, I don't know. We'll figure out a nickname. We'll come up with something, but. I mean, that's when I like to say this team got their, you know, that they got things in line. I mean, but you know, not even, not even the Knicks game. You know, I mean, I'm, I'll go ahead and look at the schedule right here. You know, we lose to the Knicks, we come back, we play a bad Lakers team, get a good win, and then you know we go on the road, get a good, get a, get a, not a great win against bad, really, really bad Timberwolves team. But then that Dallas game. I think the Dallas uh, game is what did it. I, I think the Dallas game is what, like, Anthony Davis get pumped. We know how that went. That Dallas game, I think, sealed in, you know, sealed in that we can we could do something right now. I mean, at the Dallas game, we were what? Uh, I think we were probably, because I know Phoenix was I think we were like 21, we were prob- 22 and 21. I know, but we were, I, th- I think we were, what, two and a half, three games back? And then we come out the next yeah. night against Philadelphia, beat them by twenty twenty five. I mean, it's. I think that's what did it. I mean, obviously a win against Denver would have been huge. Um, I picked that we'd go two and one the next three games, and with a loss to the Clippers, and I got it wrong. But we should have beat Denver, but that's a whole other story. But this team has really turned it around. Monty has been coaching better. He said it right when the podcast started. Um. 
and now it's just time to see what this team's about. You know, you got three games against playoff teams, uh, at least if not this year, next year, because I'm not going to, you know, if anyone wants to be a troll and say the Thunder aren't a playoff team this year, whatever. You know, you got two games against the Thunder, and then you got the Bulls, but then, you know, we get a break. You know, we get Utah, Indiana, huge break, and then we get the Magic, the Heat, the Raptors at home, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Miami Heat again. That's that really favorable a break? to me. That's For favorable us? Is that me. really a break? It's but favorable, we get a break but in between. between. Now that's gone. I mean, you know, <laughs> we get a, we get a, we, you know, this this month we, all right, we we've already played one home game this month. The rest of the month we get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven home games, and we have ten, and we have ten games in the month from now on, I believe. One, two, three, four, and five, March six, seven, eight, nine. It's a large home stand. Is March is March full of home stands? Well, no, well, no, they they switched it. Well, actually, it's kind of dead even. I think it's, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 games in March. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 at home. So we get over 50% of our games in March. And, you know, then look at the games in March. Home games to Detroit and Boston. Those are winnable games, obviously. Another home game against Memphis. Road games to Brooklyn and Denver. Home game against Denver. Home game against Milwaukee. And then we have our toughest stand in that month. We got a four game, probably a five game stand against Milwaukee, Phoenix, Golden State, the Clippers, and Houston. And that that's when it gets tough. But I think Mason Ginberg put it put it best. The way we're going right now, we're on pace for forty six wins. So that 46. now we, and and that and I don't know if that gets us a playoff spot, but. 46 wins is a huge improvement from last year. I don't know about you. I mean, this team is sticking together. We got we got Omer, and I was ecstatic. You know, me and you did agree with this. He's the glue. He glues this team together defensively. Um, not really offensively, in my opinion. Uh, I think Anthony Davis kind of does that on his own. But uh, Omer on defense is huge. Um, and you know, I'll open the floor for you, you know, to bring up any discussions you'd like to talk because, you know, I know they got um, – Big, 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 big. What is it? Um, oh yeah, how about this? Oklahoma City is um, struggling right now on the defensive end. I believe I was reading uh, the Magic put up 97 points on them tonight. Do you think that? What do you think is going to be the bigger, bigger problem for us in these next two games? Is it going to be guarding? I guess the Thunder guarding their offense and how they play, or do you think it's going to be harder for us to get up shots? I think that uh, it's that's a tough question. I think that the mental aspect of it is going to play a large um, factor. And by mental aspect, I guess I would say like slow starts, um, which we are infamous for. Um, tonight was a fast start, and I think it's no coincidence that we won the way we did. I mean, by the amount we did because of the fast start. I think that those two are exactly related. You know, I think that because we started out fast, we won by that by that large of a deficit, fifteen points, which really was like seventeen. But it doesn't matter. Um, 
we need to get out to a fast start. And I feel like we're just so scared of Kevin Durant and, and Russell Westbrook. And referees will play a huge factor, too, you know, because they just <laughs> they get all the touchdowns. They love their superstars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but uh, AD, I mean, AD is starting. AD's on his way, yeah. And you know what? You know what's funny? I don't know if you remember this. All right. So I mean, we equally, you know, have had problems with Eric Gordon in the past. You know, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, you will be too. He's not where our, you know. I don't. I don't think really Eric was our favorite, but he never gets calls. Is that agreeable? Oh, uh, Ryan Anderson's worse. Like, yes, he does. Okay. But Ryan Anderson. Did you see? Did you see that layup attempt Eric Gordon had where he like face planted into into the, the bottom of the goal? And they didn't even call it until like like literally watched him face plant. They were like, I, I guess we're gonna call, give the call. Yeah. Like that, that like that poor guy cannot get a call. And if and, and if his team somehow got to the line more, do you know how? Like, do you even know? Like, I, I I'm afraid to even know. I mean, we got to the line 23 times tonight, but you know, Eric and Tyreek. I guess it's a part of Eric changing his game. Eric Tyreek. Their big thing, they used to just love getting to the basket. Tyreek well, um, has declined at getting to the line. I, I don't think I don't remember the last time I've seen Tyreek shoot free throw. I mean, what yeah. if we got to the line in our free throws? I mean, I don't know, man, but shout-out to uh, Michael McNamara, who we give endless shout-outs to, of course. On this stat, though, I'm sure you read this on Twitter the other day, Pelicans first in field goal attempts in the paint. 19th in free throw attempts. That's ridiculous. How how does that make any sense? Are we disrespected or do we just avoid contact? I'm going to go with the former. I mean, I'm sure to an extent we avoid contact, but who avoids contact? In the NBA, really, contact is sought after rather than avoided, in my opinion. You You see guys just running there just looking for contact. And that's not even fundamental basketball. But, of course, you know, some fundamentals go to waste in the NBA. But that's a whole different discussion. But that is ridiculous. That is, that is, doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Do you think well, they also disrespect? brought it up? I, I think it's, I can't answer that, Joel. I don't, um, a lot of them are donks, probably. Anthony Davis donks. So, I mean, donks, rare amount of times, donks get fouled on under the basket. I mean, you don't see it a lot during a game. It happens, but you don't see it a lot, a lot. So, I mean, I guess I honestly say it's, I guess I honestly say it is disrespect. I don't know what else to tell you. You know, this team seems to create contact a lot. I, I feel like I see Gordon go down a lot. I mean, I, I haven't been to a game in a while. I don't see. I'm not up close and personal watching everything, but I feel like it's just, I guess, it's just disrespect. I don't know. I really, I, you're right. I, I can't answer, Joel. I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth. I don't know. I just know this team is. Well, do you also agree that, and not to jump topics real quick, uh, my final answer would be I don't know. Um, but do you think when Drew Holiday is back with his team. Do you think we become more of a jump shooting team? Because, you know, he loves his little pull-up uh, junction mid-range. Do you think we're more of a uh, pull-up jumper, mid-range jumper team with Drew Holiday as point guard? 
I certainly hope not. You know, I can see Drew coming back from injury and averaging like 14, 10, and 4. You know, I, I can definitely see that happening. And just kind of taking a seat back on scoring, taking a step back on scoring. I mean, I don't know. Tyreek's averaging, what, 16 as a starter right now? Man, it's it's really... It's like... It's like it hurts to think about it because everything's going so well right now. You'd hate to think about a conflict interrupting. Especially, it's just hard to understand. It's just so confusing how the second best player in your team, how when he goes away, stuff goes right. But could it have just been somebody with <laughs> a fire under Monty's butt simultaneously? That's what I like to think happened. That when, when either he lit a I fire under himself, but that Knicks loss, I'm telling you, post-Knicks era, that was it. I expected to lose to Denver. You know, I told you that on the pod the night before. Um, I just didn't think we were gonna. I mean, I I I thought we could have, but I I didn't think it was likely. We should have. It doesn't oh, make yeah. sense, you know. That the I, I mean, I we were down by sixteen and we just barreled back easily. I don't want to talk about that game, but you know we well, will do. Well, through holidays um, in that game we win. I believe that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would shut down Ty Lawson. That's Tyree thing. did a terrible job on Ty Lawson, though. I'll be honest. He did a way better job than I thought he was going to do. I even, you know, we, we sent out a tweet saying that's going to be a huge factor. He honestly didn't play Ty terribly. But Kenneth Fareed, just to look, Kenneth Fareed had a kind of a coming out party because he hasn't been all he, he's been this year. And he actually played very well against Anthony Davis. I'll give him that. But... Did you did you see anything? I mean, I know it's random that we had a we had a loss in the middle of everything, but did you see anything out of that Nuggets game that bothered you? If you can remember it, no, it was just it was just a um, very dead game. Typical, typical Pelicans. Like you were just like, all right, this is the team that started out five hundred. You know, it was just it was it was not fun basketball to watch. You know, you could you were getting lulled to sleep by it. It just wasn't a great game and it was just You know, all and actually typical. and I'm pulling up the and I'm pulling up the stats right now and I know you know we a big thing you just talked about was rotations, right? Um yeah. and you know, I I was working, uh, you know, I do work at a sports restaurant. I, I do get to watch most of the games, but I'm reading into the stats here. Um only and let's be honest, five, six Seven, eight, really only eight players played that game. Yeah, we had, we had four players last Wednesday log, do not plays. Um, Nate Walters played a total of three minutes. So I'm almost I'm just not going to count him, Joel. How about that? We had seven players play. Is that about right? We had seven players play. Uh, Jimmer also logged in only eight minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and say the rotations were terrible that night because Eric Gordon and Tyreek played a combined 80 minutes. Dante played 40. Anthony Davis no, played Andrew, 40. No, Andrew, I figured out. Eric Gordon was off. He was very off. He couldn't get anything to fall. Yeah, three threes were all the, rimming out. But then again, and he had, problem, he had a clutch, clutch three at the end of that game, too. Yeah, but another problem, though, was, one, we had become too reliant on Eric Gordon, I believe. And I think we kind of strayed away from that a little bit. But two, Nurkic, the rookie center for 
the Nuggets, who I think will be great in this league. Not 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 a world beater, but I think he'll be um, good. You know, he'll be a good starting center. He was he's kind of like a mid range guy. He can he can face up. You know, uh, blow a bit. He was dragging Omer out the paint, which opened up opportunities for Kenneth Fareed, especially when Ryan Anderson, who we all know is Bruce Bowen, right, um, was covering Fareed. <laughs> And uh, I really opened it up for him. And Lawson, you know, while Tyreek did play okay defense, Lawson did kind of, you know, play around with him a little bit towards the end of the game and kind of sealed it for him. Hey, uh, look, I'll take I'll take Lawson. I'm looking at the numbers right now. I'll take two of twelve from Lawson, five points any day. Yeah, it was any it day was of his, the week. It was him getting no, free Aaron, and finding his guys. That's what was. Yeah, he assisted. He had 13 assists. I mean, half of those had to be to Aaron Afwalo, who shoots the lights out when he plays us. It seems always. I mean, he was ridiculous as well. Oh yeah, well that's always somebody just has their day against us, and it's nobody you would expect. I mean, tonight went well. well so, went really well. Ronnie Williams is, is breaking the mold. I, I hate to jinx anything, but he really is. It's it's. A treat to see, and of course the home court advantage is is huge. I think that is huge. New Orleans is really yeah. rallying behind the city, and I don't think it's just the Pelicans doing great. I think it's also a combination of the Saints doing terrible. <laughs> you know, uh, and anyone anyone listening, we will be. Uh, you know, I, I know the NFL draft's far away, but we will getting we will be a Saints podcast as well. So, football season will be fun for us. Uh, a lot to talk about, but that's besides the point. Um, and you know, you're right. I mean, I, I look at the, the post Knicks game. After that Knicks game, we won four straight. Yeah, I mean, you're right. We were six and one since the Knicks loss. Yeah. Also, we were six and one since the next loss. Yeah, and we're uh, six and one. I think we're what seven and three since the Quincy Pondexter since Quincy Pondexter has played a game. Thus, Quincy's first game was in Detroit. So yeah, we're eight or were we eight three one two three four five six seven eight. We are eight and three since Pondexter's arrived. This is true. I think that Quincy has been a pleasant and great addition to this team. But I also think it's combined with the fact that getting rid of Austin Rivers has been a pleasant and great addition to this team. And I think that if you replace him with nearly anyone, it would have been not the same result and not even, I'm not saying close to the same result, but a better result than we were getting before. It could have been Courtney Fells from the Summer League team. I think it would have benefited us. But mm-hmm. couple that with Quincy being a great addition, I think that was, oh, wow, that was an awesome move by Dell. Awesome move. I, I love it. I love it. And the fact that he's under contract, at first I'm skeptical, like, oh, man, he's under contract. And now I'm like, yes, he's under contract. Like, that's one more guy that we don't have to worry about re-upping, you know, like, I remember 
watching Mario blow it up last year and being like just depressed kind of when he would blow it up and like thinking there's no way we're getting this guy back. There's no way we're getting this guy back. And uh, just for those listening or who will listen to the podcast, I was a huge Mario fan. I still weep daily at the fact that we lost him. But I think that uh, with Dante and Quincy, they are replacing him in the locker room and on the court. You know, they just not. That's why I love Mara too. He wasn't just a guy who spot up and shat, uh, sat, uh, shot his threes. He did everything exceptionally, but he did shoot his threes. I mean, excellently. But I, I really like Anthony Morrow and the fact that. We're getting two guys like that back after this team has always been craving one of those guys, and he finally went away. It's very, very good for us. I did enjoy. Now I did enjoy Morrow um, a good bit, but the thing is, though, I mean, granted, I didn't, I didn't know that. You know, when we decided not to sign Anthony, the result was going to be Dante and Quincy. So when we didn't resign Morrow, it was just it was kind of confusion. But then again, you know, if you were going to tell me uh, we're not going to resign Morrow, we're going to we're going to in his place get rid of Austin Rivers, get Dante Cunningham and Quincy Pondexter, I'm probably going to just I'm going to be okay with it. Quincy's younger, he's a better defender, obviously not a better three point shooter. We don't have to talk about that. But Dante, for the most part, like, like I said. It, Dante's defense has been amazing, and you know you said somehow he falls to us. I guess, uh, I mean, uh, I do not promote domestic abuse, but I mean Dante has a domestic abuse case suspension. It was, it was uh, everyone, cleared. Everyone it was stayed. Everyone, everyone. I know it was cleared, but a lot of people stayed away from it. And so he was an accusation. Yeah. He was never charged. It was cleared. It caused people to stay away from him. They didn't want him. So he falls to us, and just like you said, an amazing move by Dell. Something that is going to highlight the year. Quincy, great acquisition. Cunningham was much better. I was at his first home game. I was at the Knicks game. Uh, and you had people around me. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? He's pretty good. Now I remember that game. He guarded Mello. Great. You know, but um, great acquisitions by Dell. Uh, for anyone who wants to say that Joel Dumars would be better, please call in so we can talk with you because I'd love to hear what you sound like. Because I, I just don't know how anyone, not how anyone could be better than Dell, but I just don't know how anyone could wrap their heads around and think that Joel Dumars is a better replacement for Dell Demps. Uh, if you had to grade Dell Demps' performance so far this year, would you? what would you give it grade-wise, Joel? Well, Andrew, I will answer that question. I just want to give you an update. And for the people who are pause, this will be late. Got yeah, Jeff Green just said man one with four seconds left. I was listening to what you were saying, though, but like I said, early playoff implications, you know, all these things, just huge. But um, Dell, I give him A minus. I mean, really, I would give him an A plus, but. The season's not over yet, but I guess thus far, A-plus. But you know me, I've always been a Dell Demps guy. I love Dell Demps. And, um, I mean, the Quincy Pondexter trade 
he just struck pure gold. Now, I didn't want to lose Russ. I really didn't. I thought I still think he can be the next Patrick Beverly in this league, and I think that one day he will kill us. Not literally, <laughs> but that's just our luck, you know. And it will we, happen. It will. It will happen yeah. next year or yeah. the year after when we we get in a divisional round or something, and Russ Smith is going to have a game winning uh, three pointer. I agree with you. I love Russ Smith as well. But continue talking because I just had to interrupt. Yeah. I love Russ just as much as you. But. <laughs> no, and that's why I guess I give him an A minus because I really like Russ. I like his potential. I like everything Russ brings to the team. Would have brought to the team, I guess. Uh, maybe another Quincy Pondex or thing. Definitely, Russ. Things are fingers crossed. Hope you're listening, Dell. But um, yeah, I love Russ. Um, and it really would have been interesting to see Russ take over that backup point guard role. Um, when Rivers was traded, don't know why. I mean, I guess the Grizzlies did not want John Solomon's. Can you blame them? And I guess the contracts were different. But he, I think if I can recall correctly, maybe it's guaranteed, non-guaranteed, but Russ and Jimmer have similar contracts. I don't know. I, I like both Jimmer and Russ, but I don't know. I like the the potential Russ had. But going on, the Dante Cunningham signing is just excellent. You can't forget about that. I liked Gal Mackle when he was here. He just really couldn't shoot. And that, that was a deal breaker. But you got to remember though. You got to remember though. Those are um, those are ten day contracts for Gal. So I mean, ten day contracts. You know how many GMs in this league take bold predictions with GM guys? They really don't like. Yeah. There's a lot. There you go. Grizzlies get a W for any Pell fans listening. That gets puts us one game back of the wild cards, the eight seed. But um, like I was saying, um, yeah, Gal, you know everyone misses on ten day contracts. That's a, not a big deal either. And I like Gal too, but Gal couldn't shoot to save his life. No, I mean I like Gal. He just wasn't. He just wasn't part of the plan. And I get that. You know, whatever you you, you live and you learn. Um, but I was, you know, the whole Gal thing. I guess was to make a greater point, which was Gal was not assigning, in my opinion, and from my views and what you know, being a fan of the team since Stoudamps has been here and Monty Williams, that was not a signing to say, this guy will be our backup point guard. That was a signing to say, this guy, this guy will be our backup point guard while we throw so-and-so and so-and-so and Austin Rivers in the doghouse mm-hmm. for a couple of games. And that's all it was for. And, you know, the doghouse is always confusing, of course. But, uh, I mean, Dante and uh, Quincy, really all that's happened. But I think that the main thing that people overlook is Dell's discipline and um, just willing to stay put when everything was going to hell. He could have easily said, screw it, and blown it up. You know, my contract expires soon, and, you know, I got to make this team win. I got to save my own butt. But he was like, no, I'm going to stick to my plan. This is how it's going to go. You know, we're going to change a couple things up on the bench. You know, we'll bring in Quincy. But our key cogs will stay here, which is Tyreek, Ryan, Drew, Eric. And I'm sure Eric is still expendable with the right offer. I don't care how he's playing. My contract is 
ridiculous. But, you know, you have to admire his discipline of himself. I mean, I think that that deserves a good grade within itself. Yeah, and you got to remember, I mean, I, uh, how about the, uh, how about the, I think, I mean, all right, if you don't like Del Demps or if you haven't liked Del Demps, your, your only real, your only real point is going to be the Air Gordon signing, matching the Phoenix. That's really all you got in that argument. Um, he's been a great young GM who's really just, proving himself to, just like you said, he's sticking with the team. He's um, And that's it. Outside of the Eric Gordon thing, what he's starting to, he's starting to come into his own. I mean, there's nothing else we can ask for him at this point. I mean, it's been done. It's done. You know, we can't, we can't sleep on the, uh, I mean, the Evans trade. Um, the Evans trade was good. It would have been more ideal if we would have kept Robin Lopez at the time, in my opinion, but that's what we had to do. I like Omer um, better than Ryan Lopez. That's oh, why? Well, I, I, I I like Omer better than Ryan Lopez too. But at that time, Omer was Omer wasn't Omer wasn't in the picture. Dwight right. Howard hadn't played a game yet because Dwight Howard comes to Houston and he ruins Omer. Sheik. I'm sorry, Omer wanted to get out of there because Dwight. But that's another argument. Um, so I mean, at the time, we didn't know who we were going to get. I mean, who's our who was our starting center in the first game of the year last year? Jason Smith. Jason Smith. Jason Smith or Greg Stiesma. You know, because you know, uh, Greg Stiesma <laughs> sucked so much in the preseason. I remember saying, this guy is the worst basketball <laughs> player I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but, um, I mean, my grade for Dell would probably be a B plus. Um, probably just because of the uh, just because of the Eric Gordon match, I wasn't a fan of it. Well, you know, like I said, and he had he didn't have an option at that point because of New Orleans basketball and where we were at right at the time. He didn't have an option. We thought we touched on that last week. Um, but I mean, he's done a great job. He hasn't blown anything up. The Drew Holiday trade for anyone who wants to argue that we should have kept Narlon's Noel to put along to put alongside AD should not be Narlon's Noel. Narlon's Noel the, is bad. The, he reminds me of the Drew. Well. The Drew. <laughs> the Drew Holiday trade was a phenomenal trade. I mean, you. I mean, people are going to say, "Oh, we gave away our future." We, you know, we. It's like okay. With, with these draft picks, who have we gotten? I'm sorry. Was it Alfred Payton and Nerlens Noel? Nothing against Alfred. It was Alfred Payton, but they traded, you know, and they got Dario Saric, who Burdick's still out on him. You know, he's still overseas. And Dell exactly. really, really no, liked him and everything, but whatever. I, I mean, that draft sucks. Uh, not, not, not the Wiggins draft, but the, the Nerlens draft. Oh, my God, that draft is terrible. I mean, you can you can take away a couple stars. I mean Giannis, who's incredible, and everybody was saying Trey Burke was the guy we were going to get. Can you imagine? Oh my God, Andrew! It makes me sick just thinking about it. Well, but we didn't. We Giannis, somehow pulled Drew. We yeah. pulled Drew out out of our butts, 
and everyone yeah. think why. Because I, I mean, Alfred Payton. I do like Alfred Payton, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't think he would have as much of an impact on this team as Drew Holiday has or will. I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on. I mean, we like. <laughs> I will never forget that day for as long as I live. As long as I'm a basketball fan. Like through, like we go into that draft thinking, who are we gonna get? You know, I, I'll always remember because I was in Hattiesburg for college orientation, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, who are we gonna get? Are we gonna get Burke? Or are we gonna get Alex Lynn? What if Otto Porter falls to us? Do we, you know, who, who are we gonna get? Oh, we gotta I, go Trey Burke. We oh yeah, I was guard. infatuated with Otto Porter. I was like, we need to trade everyone to trade up to get Otto exactly. Porter. He is the ideal. Small and, forward, and he is looking terrible. Draft, I mean, he's an okay draft, role player. We draft Nerlens Noel, and I remember giving my our, our good friend Logan a call. It's like, you know, I'm, 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 I just this is me. I just purchased. No, you called tickets. me. Uh, I, I, I called. All it was crazy. I, I, I am a, I am a season ticket holder. I'm a new season ticket holder. I can't believe it. Nerlens Noel. I don't want him. I don't like him. He's going to be out for the whole year. Are we just going to be rebuilding for the rest of our lives? And then I just remember, oh, I, I checked Twitter, and it's just like the, the, the Pelicans are trading the Sixers to get Drew Holiday, and they announce it on ESPN, and Bill Simmons is like, what? Wait, what? What? And just, just an amazing deal that came out of nowhere, and I fully credit, uh, credited Dell, and, you know, the same people who are, the same people who are saying right now that Dell is bad and terrible, I could tell you right now they were probably amazed. Well, when um, we pulled through Holiday out of that, a lot that, of people didn't that like that. A lot of people still don't like that trade. It's it's widely uh, criticized. But um, yeah, I can remember that almost vividly. Um, we had made the draft picks, so I waited a couple picks and. Uh, I watched Burke go to Minnesota, and uh, I, I start. I had I had a feast of sushi that I had for the game. It's kind of like my tradition every year. I get to go sushi, take out, and I eat it, watch the draft, and I had a feast. And I was cleaning up my feast because you know if you leave sushi and get a little stinky, and uh, I got a call from you. I answer, what's up, dude? We just traded for Drew Holiday. Okay. No, I'm serious. We traded Drew, we traded Nerlens for Drew Holiday, and at first there was a huge misconception that we had also acquired the 11th pick. Um, that that they eventually took Michael Carter Williams with. But no, man, I can remember that was that was wild. That was really fun night. It was just I was so excited. Maybe it's because we have the, we have those reactions like that, and it's like I, I don't understand how people still think that. It was a bad trade. I, I just I don't understand. I mean, I know Drew was out right now, but I mean, it's the same thing last year. He he was either let him play with a with a healed stress fracture when we were already bad last year. I mean, letting him go was letting him not play was a good call last year. This 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 time around, I'm worried about if it's the same thing. I hope it's not the stress fracture again. But you know, I mean, it, it it's still an amazing teams. trade. Yeah, and it benefited both it, teams. They wanted to to rebuild and tank and whatever. And I don't see Nerlens and 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 ADB in a good fit at all. But um, just uh, getting off, we got off track a little bit, and I, we could talk about that for hours. Um, but 
I just want to ask you, before we go on to the Super Bowl with the last 20 minutes we have here, um, I do want to touch on the Super Bowl a little bit. And I just want to ask you one brief question, which I will give you two minutes answer till till 1040. Playoffs or no for the Pelicans? Well, this should be a um, this should be a recurring question every week, um, at least right now. Um, you're, you're asking me the wrong week. I will, I will be more comfortable answering this question next Monday night or next Tuesday uh, whenever our next show comes. But I will give you an answer right now. Um, uh, you're putting me in a spot, you know. I made, I made that, I made my Super Bowl pick, um, thinking using my head. You know, I really, I did cheer for the Patriots last night. I wanted the Patriots to win. Uh, I did pick the Seahawks to win, um, and I and I am happy that I was proven wrong. Very happy I was proven wrong. Um, Joel, uh, you have probably about thirty seconds to answer this question. Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> my heart says yes. My head right now does still say no because of Phoenix and Oklahoma City. I will say the same thing I did say last week, though. I think the San Antonio Spurs play a bigger part than many people think because they are slowly, slowly capsizing. Um, I mean, I love Popovich and what they do, but they're slowly just—they're—they're just—they're getting elderly. <laughs> Uh, and um, even Rajon Rondo is going to be out for a while. He, like, literally got his face broken by Richard Jefferson, if you saw that. he Like, he's out indefinitely. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe the signs are coming. And Dwight I will Howard say is this. out, too. And Dwight Howard is out for a month. Um, and before we talk Super Bowl, I would like and to the make Blazers, our picks for the next. Course. I called this last week, I think. And I'm not one of the two-mile horn. Terrible second-half team, and they're starting to show it already. They are not a good hey. second-half team. And Lillard is I real butthurt. And he's... Um, I will say that the gates, the heavens, are opening up for us to make a playoff run. Um, last week, if you asked me that question, I would have said our percentage to make the playoffs would be at... 25% this week. I'll say it moves up to 35%. Next week will be more fun. Um, See, me, I'm at like 60. Uh, I'm at about 60. 60. Yeah. I just so don't think Phoenix is, is as good as, as us. And we're really? already one up, one up on that season series. One out. And, I mean, I don't know, man. We'll see, but we can keep talking about this or we can go to the Super Bowl. And with this being a huge Super Bowl and something so controversial happening, we cannot not talk about it. So um, We will, but before, right before we start that. talking about it, I, want, I do want to ask you, um, next four games, first Oklahoma City at Oklahoma City, first Chicago Saturday night, and then versus Utah next Monday night. The next four, how many do we win? How many do we lose? I think we go three and out next three games. What about the next four? Our next show will probably be done after that fourth game. So you think we'll go four? And I think out? we beat Chicago at home, and I think we beat OKC at home, and I, I think that 
this team is finally getting it. And it's just Denver was was a different story. And who's after Chicago? Utah. Yeah, four and a four and a next four games. Yeah, I'd say three I and one. So. I say three three and one with a loss to Oklahoma City on the road. Um, I do believe Chicago is coming in from a back to back as well. So I mean, we'll both be equally as tired. Nationally broadcast a game on a Saturday night. I say three and one with a loss to Oklahoma City on the road. Uh, so we better we better fix it coming Wednesday. Um, Super Bowl, what you want to ask me? Because I'm I'm ready to talk Super Bowl. I mean, I'll definitely yeah. be talking Super Bowl tomorrow night in between the lines, 8:30 Central. Guys, give it a listen. But go ahead, ask me far away with this roll because I'm ready. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'm on record on, on the Crep City Objection Twitter account saying I had Pats, you know, I think they're closest thing to AFC version of the Saints. I wasn't rooting for um, a particular team. Just the thought of rooting for another team other than the Saints is nauseating to me. In situations like that, I don't root for teams. I just simply root for overtimes. And I don't like the Seahawks. So while I wasn't rooting for them, I found my heart kind of wanting them. You know what I mean? But, yeah, I, I picked the Pats, and it wasn't for the reason that they're like the Saints. I mean, I just said that. I think they're like the Saints, but, or the Saints are like them, I guess, respectfully. But the last two Super Bowls that team has been to, they lost. There's no way in hell Bill Belichick loses three straight Super Bowls or Tom Brady. I just couldn't see it happening. Just could not see it happening. So, I mean, you go into the game, and the game plan was pretty simple. You know, those little short out routes, the beautiful game game plan by Belichick and Brady, you know, dynamic duo. You know, I'd like to say the evil version of Tom, uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Um, but it was just – it was a great game to watch. I mean, it was just so entertaining. Uh, I loved it. I loved it from beginning to end. But – that play call, that's what we need to go right to. And uh, tell me what you think about the whole Pete Carroll thing. I have, I mean, we talked about it before the show went on. And uh, I feel a specific way about it that relates closely to a specific Saints situation. And I'll just let you talk about, you know, how you feel about what would you have done if you're Pete Carroll there on that goal line play? Well, um, if I'm Pete Carroll, I mean, I flat out run the ball. I do know that. I mean, you do have the um, you do have the uh, the best short yardage back in the whole NFL on your team. So I don't know why you're not running the ball in that situation. Um, you know, he decides to run it, the down before that on first uh, four yard gain from the five to the one. I don't know why you don't run it. Um, terrible play call. Uh, I will say this, like I told you, I'll repeat it for the listeners. Um, I don't think it's as terrible of a play call as many people are starting to think and saying. Um, I know Pete Carroll did take the blame for the whole loss, and the Internet took it upon themselves to take, you know, to blame Pete Carroll, and the media blamed Pete Carroll. But, I mean, not taking anything away from the best quarterback in NFL history, Tom Brady. 
Um, that that Legion of Boom got torn up. I'm sorry. Where where was that defense at the second half? They were nowhere. They were they were they were just, they were just destroyed. But um, if I'm Pete Carroll, I do give it to Marshawn. It's encouraging Lynch. for Saints fans. It is considering the it news is. today. Uh, <laughs> Seattle defensive coordinator is going to be the head coach of uh, um, the Falcons. Oh, oh, from that standpoint, no. Ooh, no, I'm I kidding. Did not you want know, I'm I, kidding. I, I, yeah. Okay, because I didn't. I, I that is the one thing. If if there's one thing, like, all right, if you're gonna tell me uh, Rex Ryan is not gonna be the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, then I'm gonna say, thank God. Who is it? Dan Quinn. Then I'll be like, oh, great. Because I mean, this, let, let me answer this question, then I'll get to Dan Quinn. But if I'm Pete Carroll, I do run the ball there. Uh, I do. You know what I would do is I would milk the clock down like they did. I would have called the timeout. Let all your emotions. Cause you got to remember, emotions are running high. One of the the second most clutch catch in NFL history. One of the luckiest. And then you know, then you just they give it to Marshawn real quick. Boom, boom, boom. Four yards. Call a timeout. Rest. Just let catch your just catch your breath. Relax. Give it to Marshawn. You still got timeouts. You'll be fine. They don't do it. They run a play that. Darrell Revis, Brandon Browner, and Malcolm Butler, who is the star of the Super Bowl. He was huge in the second half. He, they even came out and said that we practice that play. They, they run that play a lot. We, we were prepared for it. So, if it's that terrible of a play call, I don't know why the best coach in football was prepared for it. So I just don't think the play call is as terrible as people think. Um, but obviously you got to give it to Marshawn. So do you have an opinion on that? You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure you and the rest yeah. of America know know what Pete Carroll should have done. But you know, how do you how do you think if you if you could have played out the last few minutes of that Super Bowl, how differently would you would you have done it? Yeah, well, I need you to bear with me here. I'm about to talk for a couple of minutes, but I think that the best way. For us, especially me, I'm a huge Saints fan. A lot of our listeners are. To, to relate to this is to compare it to situations of our own. You know, it's, it's always a good way to compare any situation is to put yourself whatever in that shoot in those shoes. So you look at it, and you know we we're talking about this before. I told you this before the show. You go back to the 2011 season, the season that ended up being a huge, probably the best. Saints statistical season of all time. Probably better than the Super Bowl season. Should have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, really should have. Anyway, um, the first game of that year was against the defending Super Bowl champions, Green Bay Packers and Lambeau. And um, it went went well. You know, it was a nail-biter all game. The Saints, there was like one second left, was on Green Bay's one-yard line. Rookie Mark Ingram comes into the game. Everybody knows he's like the power back of the Saints now. He comes in, goal line formation. Everyone knows it's a run. They stopped this last play of the game. Green Bay won. Now, afterwards, the backlash, Sean Payton was huge. I mean, for almost six weeks after until the Saints blew it up and Played an outrageous season, ridiculous. But 
it was just a large debacle or debacle, debacle, I don't know, whatever. Debacle. um, Debacle, I'm sorry. It's 11 o'clock. Anyway, um, debacle is a large debacle. And I was saying, why didn't you run a naked bootleg, Drew Brees? You know, everybody crashed the inside. Why didn't you just run into the outside? Why didn't you throw it over the top? Hindsight's 20-20, you know. But even so, if I'm Pete Carroll there, even disregarding that whole nonsense that I just said, I run the ball, even though they said Marshawn Lynch one for five on one-yard attempts this year, I still run the ball. Regardless of who my running back is, I run the ball there. I don't care if it's Marshawn Lynch. I don't care if it's Darren Sproles. You must run the ball there. The fact that it's Marshawn Lynch really hammers that point home, but you have to run the ball right there. I mean, you have a time out left. It's just, and it was second down. It just really didn't make any sense not to run the ball. It didn't because, well, you know, um, the greatest head coach, we're sitting there wondering why isn't Belichick calling a timeout? But look, look, look at what Belichick must have seen. And I'm actually, you know, now that I say it, I will have to DVR and watch the rerun on NFL Network. I'm sure they'll be throwing, showing it. I'm sitting there wondering why isn't Belichick calling a timeout? Screaming at the TV, why is Belichick not stopping the clock? But who is to say that Belichick doesn't see what the Seahawks are doing? He's watching them line up with two receivers on the right side, one receiver on the left, and he's got three quarterbacks on the field, and he knows he knows what they're running. You know, they've practiced that exact play. How do we know that Belichick doesn't see what they're doing and says, you know what, just just go for it? Yeah. Yeah, you don't I'm know no that. defensive. I'm no NFL coach or football coach at all, but Pete Carroll's excuse commonly right now is they came out and go goal line. I've but never seen goal line they with didn't. three cornerbacks on the field. I've never seen a goal line defensive formation with three defensive. I mean, defensive backs, yeah, including safeties, but I'm talking three corner backs. I've never seen that. Is that some new hybrid? Uh, nickel goal line, you know, they got going on? Nope. I don't think so. Because it's, it's because it wasn't. And if Pete Carroll, which, you know, Belichick, the best coach in the NFL, he outcoached Pete. If Pete wanted to outcoach um, Belichick, or even if Russell Wilson, who um, Saints fans, we hate Seattle, we all do. I'm sorry, I personally can't find one bad thing to say about Russell Wilson. I'll admit that. No. I don't have I don't anything to, I don't I don't have anything to say bad about Russell Wilson. But no, that even takes on Russell Wilson. What if Russell Wilson sees what's going on? Calls an audible. Sure Belichick might I'm call always time out, but so call I've been thinking about that all day. And what you, 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 you have three quarterbacks on the field, you give it to the best running back. I'm sorry. Well, read option. Do. Everyone knows the Pats can't defend the read option. Well, Everyone's off the ball. When you read option into the outside, oh, and then people are trying to put it in Saints terms. I know I tried to put it in Saints terms, but they're like, what would you do if Sean Payton would have done that? Well, let's see. Sean Payton has Jimmy Graham. 
Ricardo Lockett is five ten, one hundred and eighty pounds. When have you when have you seen uh, when have you seen the Saints stack uh, stack two receivers on the right side and run a play like that? You don't. He goes if the if, uh, Sports Nation tweeted out today what the what the thirty NFL NFL teams would have done in that situation. The Saints they outlet to Graham. I mean, Sean Payton throws it up to Graham if it's an incompletion. We still call another two plays because remember it was only second down. I mean, he still had it was two only downs second to go. Down. I think when, and like when I, I said, they got out, caught up in the emotions. They called no timeouts. They just they just kept going. They didn't care. And yeah, that's not how you handle it. And I'm not gonna take anything away from you know they had the big heated debate today on uh, first take. Um. If you guys don't listen to First Take or watch First Take, it is an interesting show, especially if you love your opinion. Big heated debate. You know, did the Patriots win or did the Seahawks lose? Um, the way to put they it have is, this after every Super Bowl. I, I legitimately I, think but, that well, every year, I mean, look, the team wins the game. Well, yeah, but I mean, they're they're just debating it because this is the most this is the worst. I think this is the worst Super Bowl ending on a call. I mean, if you like. I mean, there was a call that wasn't made that could have probably most likely won the Super Bowl. But um, I'd like to think, like I told you earlier, the Legion of Boom got exposed. They got destroyed. Tom Brady ripped them apart. He solidified it. He solidified himself in history as being the best quarterback. He looks younger than 37. He will play another five years. Yeah. But, I mean, he's great. Do you um uh if you had to take away anything from the Patriots yesterday, what do you think was a big part of why they won yesterday? I'll throw that one at you. Uh I mean the passing game was outstanding. Uh game planning, I mean Dante Butler No, Malcolm Butler, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Dante oh, Hightower. Malcolm Butler, he knew that was coming. You know, he said a game plan for that, and just little short passes and everything. Julian Edelman was huge. Um, I found it hilarious that Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels kept confusing Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. Like they had never seen two white dudes playing receiver, same stature. Like they were just mind blown. Like that's Danny Edelman on the catch right there. I'm sorry, Julian Edelman. Uh, they're just so they look so much alike. Now but um it's funny when uh I was telling my mom because she's a big football fan and uh, Michael McNamara talks about this a lot when people uh compare white athletes to other white athletes and vice versa. And not to make this a race thing, but it's just always so interesting to me, like uh people will see like Nick Stauskas and they'll be like, oh, he's like a Kyle Corver. And somebody else will be like, no, nah, he's like an Anthony Morrow. Like, no, nah, he's more like a uh, Kyle Corver. He's more like a Mike Miller. But, you know, uh, I'm bringing that up because Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, you know, my main point is that it goes to show how that system is. You know, Wes Welker goes to Denver doesn't really do that well. Julian Edelman takes Wes Walker's place 
and succeeds, that is a fine run machine over there that they've got going. That system is the best in the NFL and one of the best the NFL has ever seen. Bill Belichick, one of the greatest minds this sport has ever seen. I just, like I said in the beginning, you don't, you, you, them losing three in a row would have been unheard of. I just, I couldn't have seen that happening. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not a huge Patriots fan, um, for no reason at all. I'm just not. Um, it was probably just the jealousy of growing up in a, just growing up in a time where the Patriots were winning and the Saints weren't. Hatred, I guess. But, um, yeah, Bill Belichick is the best head coach. He's not going to lose. I mean, he could say he would have he lost two straight AFC championships. He wasn't losing the third. Um, and he wasn't losing three straight Super Bowls. I mean, he outcoached Pete Carroll, who was the next great coach in this league. And I do not like Pete Carroll. And the LSU wombs are still open from his days at USC. So, believe me, my hatred runs deep for Pete. But um, he's a great coach. I can't take that away from him. Um, but, I mean, another big thing I took away from it is just Seattle has a potential. I mean, depending on how their off season goes, Seattle could fall. I mean, you got to look at the unrestricted free agents they got on that team, including Marshawn Lynch. I mean, and plus the way the season ended, do you think it's a possibility that the Seahawks could return to normalcy next year? Uh, I, th- I think Marshawn Lynch is gone. I think regardless of the call Pete Carroll made right there, he's gone. So, I don't know. I, I think I mean, they're going to go grab Melvin Gordon in the draft. <laughs> I mean, we could save that for a draft special, but they were recruiting him heavily during the college football season. You know, there was reports coming out with that. And uh, Wisconsin which is where Russell Wilson went. Uh but yeah, I think I think he's gone. I think I think Marshall Lynch is gone. Uh Byron Maxwell, he could be a candidate. Saints go grab opposite Keenan Lewis. I don't, I don't know if that'll be a good free agent signing cuz for anyone who signs him cuz I think he is a product of the system much like Julian Edelman, Wes Welker are for the Patriots. And much like Walter Thurman was when he was there, you know, I, I, I don't know. I didn't think they were that great this regular season. I didn't think they were that good. I, I didn't. I didn't think they would make much noise in the playoffs. And then I was astounded, you know, that they. I wasn't astounded, but I was. I was kind of surprised that they went to the Super Bowl again. I'm. I'm I mean. I, I thought the Packers were the real deal, even though the Saints killed them. I really thought they were, they they were gonna, you know, give anyone they played a hard time. But in Seattle, I mean, as long as they've got Russell Wilson, and Earl Thomas, in that home field, they'll win at least eight games. <laughs> but I mean. I, you you might say they weren't great this year, but I mean I, I, after the slow start they were they did they they were they were very good. Yeah. Um. I mean, 
just like any team, though, they're 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 a quarterback injury away from something bad. Saints have Ryan Griffin. Yeah, that's bad. But they are a quarterback injury away from Tavares Jackson. Well, you know, that's what I'm looking at, Joel. I'm looking at the free agents right now. Tavares is a free agent, and you definitely got to bring him back. He's definitely priority number one. Definitely. Yeah, he's, he's um, the overtime uh, coin toss captain. Can't forget him, man. Um, but I look at their uh, free agents, and I see uh, Malcolm Smith and Byron Maxwell. And um and uh Marsan. Those are you three guys they gotta bring back. I don't think they're gonna successfully bring back Maxwell. Um so if I'm the Saints I I uh I start begging Drew Brees to structure his contract. So many people need to restructure well, I mean, Let's be have a comments off season edition this week or next week. You know, just do you have a do you <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm chuckling, you know, I check up no, no. I pull up the Twitter feed and I see a hey, if the Pelicans don't didn't trade for Tyreek and Drew Holiday then we'd have enough cap space to grab LeBron. Uh I'm sorry, I just saw that and I, I laughed. Um anyway, um what do you think? What's your opinion on Drew Brees being asked about the restructuring of his contract, which you replied, no comment? I think that that's just not really anyone's business. I think he will, you know, but that's just kind of like the guy going to a party, you know, at somebody's nice house and being like, wow, man, this house is nice. How much money do you make? And even though in the NFL the things are more we public, all know, but we all know. Yeah, like I yeah. Can even look though it's up more right public, now what he makes to the team, I know what he makes per game per snap. I can find that. No, out if no, I, I get that. But you got to realize, Drew Brees, compared to what everyone else is making at this point, it's it's a good deal. It really is. But if he wants to win with other people, I think he's going to first point fingers. And this isn't. I'm not saying Drew's this type of guy. But, I mean, it's a doggy dog girl out there. Really, agents do a lot of this work, too. And I think, all right, when they approach Drew's agent, they're going to say, all right, look, we want to restructure. He'll be like, you want to restructure my client? Okay. You have, like, one-third of your cap wrapped up in Colson, my client, Grubbs, and Jari Evans, all three of which saw average to below average years. Restructure them significantly or cut all three of them or one of them and then we'll talk. You know, I think I think that's what they'll say. Um but he will restructure I mean he's your breeze and he will an awesome I do guy. I do um I do expect him to restructure. Um just like um Colson, I mean, Colson did already say that he will lower down a little bit, which is a good thing, because I do know that they want to keep Colston. Um, we'll definitely need to have a Saints show so we can talk Saints, but... Um, oh, yeah, we're going to have a Saints off-season edition sometime soon. Uh, we should probably do it when the All-Star break is about to kick in, um, you know, with NBA being on hold at that point. 
Yeah, well, if the pals keep playing like this, I'm not going to want to have any. Uh, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. You know? Yeah, you know. Um, but um, and we'll probably yeah, uh, you know, I, I think we're free. Uh, we're a few. Um, we're a few restructures away from uh, from being real good. Um, and since I we do no have to make an official compete for Super Bowl next year. Well, you know, like you said, uh, me and Joel do have a bet. Joel does believe the New Orleans Saints will win the Super Bowl next year. Um, which I I'm politely I politely decline from a from a mass communications standpoint. I am a Saints fan. I will cheer for sixteen and zero, and I will give Joel that ten dollars. I never said sixteen and zero. I never said sixteen and zero. But uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I will cheer if we go sixteen and zero and run to the Super Bowl and. You know, as um, as the Saints are beating the Patriots thirty-one to nothing at halftime of Super Bowl Fifty next year, I'll give Joel ten dollars right then and there, and I'll be happy about it. And I'll party in the streets with the rest of the Houdet Nation. I just don't see it happening unless we have some kind of big off season. I am very excited for the draft. Um, especially, I'm happy football's over because I took the Saints season to heart this year. This this was a season that tore me down emotionally, honestly. I, I couldn't keep up with this team. Um, this team was just a dumpster fire. Uh, that's the word I will use for the rest of my life, dumpster fire. You know, um, just a bad team, bad defense. We had a lot of stuff to fix. But like I said, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. Joel does. So Saints fans, fans rally behind Joel. If all right, how about this, Joel? Um, we can write it on pen and paper. If the Saints get to the Super Bowl next year, I, on me, will fly us out to San Francisco to do the, to do a pregame show live outside of Levi Stadium. How about that? If they get to the Super Bowl, if they just get there, that's how sure I am they won't get there. Andrew, you, 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 sir. Have yourself a deal, and we can we can get off of school and everything. Um, I'll just miss some classes. You'll miss some classes. We will fly to San Francisco, do it from live outside of Levi Stadium. Hopefully, that's motivational motivation for the Saints. Even though I don't see why it would be, but maybe they can find motivation in that. Okay, okay, that's all I'm saying. I counter that, and you know, <laughs> I counter that with. If we do not get to the Super Bowl next year, I, on me, I don't know where it will be held yet, they haven't announced, but will take us to the NFL draft next year, and we will do a show live from the NFL draft. Well, you see, now now you're being, now you're making jokes, because I mean, like Logan said, our good friend Logan, you're you're basically playing the field. So now if the Saints get to the NFC Championship game and lose, you have to fly me out and yourself to Chicago, Illinois. I've taken that drive. It's not a fun drive. Um, you will take us to Chicago or so on and so forth to to watch the draft or what? Cause I, I, would, I wouldn't bet that, Joel. Well, I'm banking I would, on them. Saying we're moving the draft to New Orleans next year because it is on this little tour right now. 
No, I, I don't but, know my um, side of the bet yet, but um, I'll definitely think about you it and I'll get back to, to you. You don't, you don't have to add, add a. You don't have to add a side of the bet because I'm 100 percent positive we will not be in the Super Bowl. We teams don't fix it like that. Um, they just don't. But like I said, I'm not going to agree to disagree, Andrew. I've seen. Listen, and, and, and we're going to close with this. I have seen sports miracles in my day, my young day, my 18 years of age. I have seen my fair share of sports miracles. I have seen Xavier Henry, Gustavo Ion, and Jared Jack beat Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan. Okay, I've I've witnessed that in person. I've also I've also witnessed New Orleans Saints go from three and thirteen to ten and six in the NFC championship right after a catastrophe. I think that in sports, anything is possible, especially with this team. It is. Paul Payton at the helm, Andrew Brees at the quarterback. I think Jairus Bird will be playing with lightning next year. I'm, I'm just very excited. I'm very excited. We have to have – I think the key is the draft. I think that's where it all starts. Free agency plays a, a, a big part too, but we need a rookie who can come in and, and play well right away. You know, I'm excited for Brandon Cooks, all that great stuff. But, you know, we'll see. We need a healthy Jimmy. We need all this. But sports miracles are possible. I've witnessed them all too many times. You know, but I I take you up on that bet, sir. Yes, sir. We can uh, – I will uh, – we can write that down or we can just keep this podcast for uh, safekeeping. And I'm just banking Archive. on us becoming – Archive and I'm just I'm just banking on us becoming uh, ESPN or Fox Sports uh, broadcasters by then, so my salary is increased. <laughs> so we'll just be there that, already, hopefully. That's that's what I'm banking there. <laughs> yeah, but of course. We'll All right. That. Well, um, hopefully we can get another one up this week, guys. Uh, discussing Pels and um, you know. Recapping the, the the first Thunder game this week, as well as previewing the second Thunder game, we plan on doing that. Um, but you know, we're both in schools, busy life. Um, you know, but we we plan on bringing you guys coverage at least once a week, and at most, you know, I won't say what at most, but you know, sometimes twice, maybe even three times a week. So um, we know it was a little unexpected today with a Monday, but. We were very excited after this Pelicans win, and we just had to go on right now. And uh, we're just uh, – thank you. Uh, we're happy for, that we had some listeners tonight. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, go Pels. 3-1 and one next week, guys. Mark it down. <laughs>